Well, all right, everybody. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? All right, so I got a question for you. All right, Christmas, a lot of great things going on, but one of the best things if you're a kid is what? Say that again. <laughs> Did you say fruit? <laughs> no. Presents. Okay, that's what I, I need to put my hearing aids in this morning. That's right, presents. So I want you to go back memory lane, and I want you to think about out of all the toys that you ever had as a kid, what would you say was one of your favorite toys as a kid? All right, just holler it out. Who? Who? All right. Cabbage Patch dolls. All right, who all had a Cabbage Patch doll? Got, got some Cabbage Patch dolls out here? All right. Uh, give, me, give me another. What are some other uh, favorite? All right. Easy Bake Oven. Oh, my gosh. Who all had Easy Bake Ovens? Yes. I loved cooking with those little Easy Bake Ovens. How many little little cakes did I eat? All right. Let's, let's have a couple more. What, what's another favorite Christmas toy? What, say it again. Oh, oh, I'm not here. Trampoline. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, you had one. What is yours? What is it? The Grinch. All right. Okay. Mine, mine was Barbie. Uh, what about, let me ask you this. Who, who had Polly Pockets? Got any po- oh, my gosh, Polly Pockets. All right. What about Beanie Babies? Got any Beanie Babies out here? Got, got any hot, what are the little, the little toy, toy cars? Yeah, with the whole, yeah, you had the, the, like the ramps and everything, the Hot Wheels. You all have those, you know what I'm talking about, the racetracks? All right. Okay. Toys can be a lot of fun. All right. I want to show you, Joseph, you'll just show us a picture here. This is a toy that I remember from my childhood. All right. All right. Okay. Who all all has looked through one of these before? Okay. This is, this is a viewfinder, and interestingly enough, this toy is making a comeback. They even have one that's like a, uh, like a virtual reality viewmaster. But the thing about the way this works, and you know this, is that you've got the little round disc there, and on each and on that disc, there are multiple pictures. And when you put the disc inside the viewfinder, and you click and you click, the view changes, the picture changes changes. And so that is what we're talking about during this sermon series is our view. Do you see what I see? And we are looking at the Christmas story from different perspectives, people who are there as we look at the story. And I want to ask you a question. When you see Christmas, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see Christmas trees and lights and cookies? Let me tell you what I see. Right here, this is my to-do list that I pulled off my kitchen counter this morning. Has anybody got a to-do list? You got got your Christmas to-do list? And I will say that there are some things that are marked off, but there's a whole lot of words that do not have a little line through them just yet. So this is what I see when I see Christmas. Uh, Some of you might have seen a Christmas gift that you weren't supposed to see. Anybody out there like that? Maybe just <laughs> maybe you were just innocently opening up the closet the way you've opened up the closet before. There's not anybody in this room that's ever had that happen. And lo and behold, you saw your Christmas present. 
Or it could be you are the wife that hid the Christmas present there, and what you saw, maybe it was your husband snooping, looking for his Christmas gifts. I don't know. Maybe that's what you see. Maybe you see uh, many conversations that you're having with your mom going through cookbooks, trying to figure out what are we going to make for lunch on Christmas Day so that it's really special as we have the whole family in. And what you see are these your, your cookbooks. Maybe you see two weeks with the kids out of school. You're wondering how you're going to figure it out. You know, all right, what are we going to do? Maybe you're a kid and you're saying, oh my gosh, two weeks, no school. So we see a lot of different things. So as we're in the sermon series, do you see what I see? We're looking at the story through a new lens, through a new perspective. And today we are looking at a familiar passage, but what I want you to do is I want you to kind of put on the skin of an angel. I want you to imagine today that you were a part of that heavenly host that, that was there on the on the in the plains where you were there with the shepherds and you were a part of the congregation that heavenly congregation seeing glory to God in the highest and among men whom God is pleased peace so I want us to kind of see the story from their view today so if you've got your bulletins pull them out we're going to read through this now I taught on this a couple of weeks ago and we looked at the story through the lens of the shepherd but today I want you to specifically think about the lens of the angel. And I'm going to read our passage again for us today. It says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord, and in Luke's gospel, this is the third appearance that we have had of the angel of the Lord. Uh, this angel is identified as Gabriel, and, uh, and when, he, when he came to Zechariah, when he came to Mary, here he is not, we don't know his name. It could have been Gabriel. It could have been another, uh, but the language is the same, the angel of the Lord. So the angel of the Lord appeared, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, now this is where we enter the story, if we are putting ourselves into the skin of the angels, suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So the question I have for us and I want us to ponder and I want us to think about is what do you think heaven saw that night? What do you think they saw? Because I feel like that if we can put, our, put ourselves into that heavenly host, put ourselves into their skin, if we can see what they saw, I think that we will respond the way heaven responded, and that is with praise and adoration and worship. So let's think about this now. So here's the heavenly host. The, the veil has been pulled back. They are singing to, they are singing glory to God. 
And I think when they saw Christmas, they did not just see that moment. Because I think in that moment, the reason that they were praising God, the reason that they were saying glory to God, the reason that they just broke out into praise and song like that is because they were seeing a story that had begun thousands and thousands and thousands of years earlier. The story began in what we know as the Garden of Eden. In your Bible, the book of Genesis, the first book, tells of this perfect paradise that God created, a good, loving, creative, amazing, wonderful God, and he creates Adam, and he creates Eve, and he places this in this beautiful paradise. But many of us, it's a part of our, even if you're not a Christian, and even if you don't go to church, you know the story that Adam and Eve disobey God, and they sin, and that relationship with God is broken. Paradise is broken. The world is broken. God, in his amazing love and his grace, does not walk away from humanity, but he moves toward Adam and Eve. And he gives them, they do have to leave the Garden of Eden. And we, we know this, we call this the fall is what this is called. And, and he, he, he speaks to them. But here is something that he says. And Joseph, if you can pull this up. He's, he's talking to Adam and Eve before they leave the Garden of Eden. And he says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's he's speaking to the serpent now. He's speaking to the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. And he says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And then he says this line here that is so powerful. I don't want us to miss it because this is what heaven saw. They saw this. They heard this. It says, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Who who is he talking about here? Who is the one that you will strike his heel, but he will strike your head? It's a cryptic message, but it is a promise that all of heaven heard when it was made there in the Garden of Eden, that one day God would send a solution, a savior to the brokenness of humanity. Adam and Eve, they leave the Garden of Eden, and yet God is not finished with their story, just as God is not finished with our story. We move through the book of Genesis. We learn of Adam and Eve and and their descendants, and the stories are coming. And then we meet a man. There's 10 chapters about him, but his name is Abram. You might know him as Abraham. And this man is old. His wife is elderly. They have no children. He doesn't seem significant in any way whatsoever. And God comes to him and makes him a promise. Let's have this up and let's read this. And the Lord said to Abram, again, Abram, you know, he's just, he's just a, 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 like a Bedouin shepherd. He's, he's a nobody. But God has come to him, moved towards humanity. And he says, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make a great nation of you. At this time, Abram had no children. He was advanced in years. And then he says this. He says, I will bless you 
And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And here's the, here's the bottom line. Here, here's the, the, the kind of that, that zinger sentence that you want to pay attention to. He says, and in you, Abram, in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Okay, I want us to sit with that just for a second. Abram. In you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And in that moment, heaven heard another promise that God was not finished with humanity. Once again, God was making a promise as he moved toward his people that he created and he loved. Well, it didn't seem, you know, probable that Abraham could have a child, but he did. He had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, his son, had 12 sons, and it seemed as if things were on the right track. Now, this family had problems, as every problem do, as every family does. Some of their problems are really crazy, uh, you know, tried to kill their brother and a few things like that. But they had their own dysfunction. But it did seem God maybe was going to keep his promise. Joseph, one of the sons, actually becomes like the uh, uh, one of the second-in-command in Egypt. And, and all of the, you know, the 12 kids move there and the family moves there and they begin to multiply. And it looks as if, we, we're multiplying. We're, we're doing good. Things are going well. 400 years pass, and it doesn't go so well through some circumstances not of their own doing. But Pharaoh begins to feel threatened and jealous by the Hebrew people, and so he enslaves them. 400 years go by, and they haven't heard from God. And I wonder in that moment, as they remembered back maybe to the story of Genesis, the promise that that God was going to send one that was going to crush Satan, that God was going to bless them uh, as a nation, and through them all the families of the earth would be blessed. I wonder as they were enslaved in Egypt and making bricks, they must have thought, Lord, did you make a mistake? Lord, can can you be trusted? Is that a promise Because my life doesn't look like it's going too well. It doesn't look like your promise is coming anytime soon, and even if ever. God, if you're such a good God, why would you allow us to be slaves like this when you had promised good things? God, if you're a good God, why would you allow this to happen to my family? Why would you allow us to go through this pain? I'm sure they asked the questions as we asked the exact same questions. But God had not forgotten his people. And God sends a deliverer, Moses. You know the story. He takes them out of Egypt, delivers them, and they move towards the promised land. We see in the book of Judges, we see in Kings, we see in the prophets. The story continues, but the story has a very repetitive pattern. And that pattern is, is that God moves towards his people with love and grace. He gives them rules and laws to live by that are for their benefit, that they might be a light to the nations. But Israel and the people of God, just like you and me so often, time and time and time again, they fail, they disobey, they rebel. God's creation at some fundamental level is broken, but God 
story is not over. And heaven is waiting. Heaven is watching. They've heard the promise in Genesis to, to, to Adam and Eve. They've heard the promise to Abraham. They've heard the promises through the prophets that God's story is not over with humanity. And then we get to the book of Malachi, which when you open up your Bible in the Old Testament, the old covenant that God had with the nation of Israel, there is the last chapter. And from the last page in Malachi to the first page in Matthew, which begins this wonderful, beautiful story of the birth of Jesus, there is silence. There is 400 long years of silence. They're in captivity. They come out of captivity. And I wonder what that silence was like. You had the 400 years there as they were slaves in Egypt. Now we have another period where heaven is silent. What about you and what about your life? Does it feel ever at times like God is silent, like he is slow to keep his promise for you? I know I have, I have felt that when something that I was praying for and hoping for and wishing for and doing all in my power to control and manipulate and try to make it happen, but I couldn't make it happen. And at some point, you have to sit back and say, God, I'm going to let you be God. And I'm going to be friend because I can't control it. I can't, I can't fix it. I can't change it. I've got to step back and let you be God, and I have to trust in your promises. And heaven, during those 400 years, they waited with anticipation. And in our story that we read today, in Bethlehem in a manger, the cry of a child came out. You know, when a baby's born, that's the first thing you want to hear. You want to hear that really good, strong cry. You want their lungs to be filled with oxygen. And in that moment, when heaven heard that cry, they didn't just see a baby that was being born. They saw the big picture of God's big story of redemption, of salvation, of rescue for a people that God loved so much. That night, as they came to the angels, they rejoiced. And it wasn't just, ha, 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 this is great today, but they had been saving up all of that rejoicing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And in my mind, I think that if I can step back and if I can see what heaven saw that night, that I will rejoice the way heaven rejoiced. We're talking about perspective. We're talking about the lenses. We're talking about what we view. And we're making, really, we're kind of saying the same thing every single week. But I really believe that's God's word for us, is that we see our circumstances. We see when God's promises seem slow. We seem, we see, you know, you just turn on the news. You, you see the heartache and the brokenness. You see poverty. You see crime. You see all these things that it feels like you're incapable of fixing them. Incapable. But we know that God keeps his word. His promises are true. And in this Advent season, we celebrate the coming of Jesus as a baby. But we look to the coming of the king at the end of the age. As we live in that long in-between time, we know just like heaven did on that night that God's promises are true, that God keeps his word. And I know that God will keep his promises to you. He will keep his word for you. 
So when you look at Christmas, what do you, what do you see? What do you see? The trees, the candles, the shopping, the, the, the discovering your Christmas present in the closet accidentally. Do you see the shopping list and all of that? It's my hope for you and my hope for me that in the midst of the busyness, we'll pause and we will step back and we will say, Lord, show me, show me what heaven saw that I might respond as heaven responded in praise and worship. It's a beautiful story, and, and during this Christmas season, one of the things that I do know is that oftentimes people's hearts are open to hear a message of love and hope and truth and forgiveness that maybe at other times they're not, but it's almost like our whole culture kind of partners with the church, and I know there's a lot of commercialism at Christmas, but I mean, you can walk into the mall, you can walk into, uh, you know, anywhere where they've got Christmas music, and you can hear songs like, Hark the herald angels sing, you know, glory to the newborn king. You hear the gospel in a way that I think is unique to any other time uh, in, in, our, in our calendar. And one of the things I hope for you, that you take a step towards Christ this holiday season. But I also hope that we will be intentional about asking the question too, Lord, who's in my world that may not know you. Maybe someone who is asking the big questions, God, if you're a good God, then why did you let such and such happen? God, if you're a good God, then why is there evil in the world? God, if you're a good God, why did you let this happen to my family? God, if you're a good God, why haven't you answered my prayer? People who are questioning the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, I want to encourage you to pray for those individuals during this holiday season. And we want to partner with you in that prayer. Something you may or may not know, but whenever you fill out your, your communication card, and I've got one, uh, I've got one right here. Whenever you fill out your communication card, this doesn't just go into some black hole, uh, which, you know, but, but we take these. And on Wednesday morning, um, we have uh, folks who have signed up to be intercessors, and we meet in the prayer room, and we pray by name over your prayer request. And so what I want to invite you to do in a few minutes here when the band comes up and we have our offering, if there is someone that is on your heart this Christmas season, someone that you are praying and hoping for that they will take a step closer to God and that God will take a step closer to them, I want to invite you to write their name. You could even do initials. You don't have to put last names, but I want you to write their name on this card and put it in the offering. And what I want to promise you is that on Wednesday, we will pray for your family member, your neighbor. We will pray that they will be able to see what heaven saw, that God, a God of redemption and love, has come for them. So I want to invite you to do that. And the next thing that I want to encourage you to do is I want you to take this out of your, of your bulletin. We, we created this to be like an invitation so that you can, you know, who is the neighbor, who is the friend, who's the family member, the coworker that, that needs Jesus this Christmas. They need to hear the story of good news. They need to know that God loves them, that God is for them. He is not against them. And, the, and you know, the message here that the angels, they, they, said, they said, you know, peace on earth among men with whom 
God is pleased. So many people go through life thinking God's mad at them, that God's disappointed in them, that God, if you know, because of what they've done, or it, that, that God is distant. But God loves humanity, and God wants to take a step towards your friend and towards your person, the person that you're concerned about. So with that, I want to encourage you to take this and invite somebody. And you never know. And, I, you know, for me, just, just pray for divine opportunities. Whoops. Um, you know, it's just you never know when God is going to open up a door. Um, this past, uh, like two weeks ago, I had gone to a Christmas lunch over at somebody's home. And so, you know, we'd had lunch. It was great. Martha Bowman folks. And so I'm leaving, and I'm walking towards my car. And I had to park a couple of houses down, you know, because there's so many cars on the street. And as I'm getting ready to, to get, you know, to get in my car, there's a, uh, a neighbor, you know, the lady whose house we were at, and so the neighbor is walking towards her, her mailbox. And so just out of, you know, hey, how are you doing? You know, how's it going? Anyway, we just, you know, just started up a conversation. And in that conversation, she started talking about her life, and she started talking about the hard places. Um, she had a, a mother who recently passed away, and she just started opening up and telling me her story. And it just lent itself for me to ask the question. I said, do you have a church home? And she said, well, you know, I did in Atlanta, but I've not. And I said, you know, we would love to have you worship with us this Christmas Eve. I said, you know, Christmas is such a special time, and we're going to have a candlelight service. And she looked at me, and she said, you know, I think I will. And I said, that's awesome. I'll be there, and uh, we would just love to have you. Uh, what I didn't have was this in my car, which I wish I had. But, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's such an easy thing to think outside of your box and outside of your world, but to see the people that Jesus sees, the people that Jesus loves, the people that Jesus wants to move towards, and he might move toward those individuals through your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Goodness gracious, what did heaven see? Heaven didn't just see a baby being born, but heaven saw a promise that you had made with humanity that one day, through the descendants of Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Oh, Father, let us see that truth, that reality. We ask that you would stamp eternity on our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.